And welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks so much for joining us today. As many farms and ag businesses across the U.S. struggle with labor shortages, one ag leader continues to push lawmakers at Capitol Hill to pass legislation that may offer a solution. Labor has quickly taken over as the number one challenge uh, facing cooperatives and farmers. That's Chuck Connor, president and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. Two years ago, the U.S. House passed the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, a bipartisan bill that would have expanded the length of time that immigrant workers with H-2A visas are allowed to stay and work in the U.S., However, the Senate version of that bill, the Affordable and Secure Food Act of 2022, failed to pass late last year, which also killed the corresponding House bill. It didn't fail because of anything of substance. It failed because of controversy over border issues and just sort of the whole immigration space, not particularly targeted at farm labor. But we were sort of caught up in all of that. So we're going to be continuing to look for the opportunity when maybe that controversy is settled down a little bit and gives us the opportunity to come in and and fix this H-2A program. Now, Connor says he's concerned that ongoing farm labor shortages will hurt the country's ag economy. You know, there aren't very many dairy barns in America today that can operate strictly on family labor. If you're having to hire virtually any labor today, about the only option for you is to look potentially at uh, foreign labor coming in. And uh, with the current challenges that we face in the H-2A program, for many, that's just not an option. And he adds that the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives is continuing to push lawmakers on Capitol Hill to revisit and pass legislation to expand the H-2A visa work program. For all practical purposes, it is the only solution for co-ops, the only solution for farmers going forward. And we've got to figure out a way to make it an option going forward if we are to continue to provide the food and fiber for America in the manner in which they've become quite accustomed to. And once again, that's Chuck Connor, president and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. Well, the American Farm Bureau Federation, in a letter to the Department of Agriculture, has asked that the agency hold a hearing on a proposal from the National Milk Producers Federation to modernize federal milk marketing orders and provide greater transparency for dairy farmers. Roger Cryan, AFBF chief economist, says the proposal includes changes supported by Farm Bureau. The National Milk Producers Federation sent a letter into USDA asking to have a hearing on federal milk marketing order pricing. They asked for some things, including adjustments to Class 1 differentials, modest increases in the processor's make allowance, updates to the component values that are embedded in the bottling milk price, and particularly they asked to go back to using the higher of the cheese milk or butter powder milk values for bottling milk. And we sent a letter to USDA asking them to go ahead and have a hearing on that request. While AFBF supports the NMPF proposal, Cryan says Farm Bureau would like USDA to go even further to promote a pricing system fair to all dairy farmers. One issue is on the make allowance. They are just asking for an increase. We think it's really important that any make allowance increase should be based on a survey of processors' costs, which can be mandatory and audited by USDA. In addition to the higher up, we have some other ideas that we'd like to add to the discussion in the hearing. And we'd also like to see increased milk check transparency so farmers know what they're getting. If USDA moves forward with the hearing process, Cryan says it will take some time. 
within 30 days of National Milk's proposal, which they sent in a couple weeks ago, the department will have to put out some plan. They will likely ask for additional proposals. After that, they may have a pre-hearing listening session. So maybe a hearing would happen in July or August. And then they'll put out a recommended decision. Typically, they'll take comments on that before they put out a final decision that will then have to go to a vote of producers. A process like that, optimistically, it's 8 to 12 months. You can learn more online at fb.org. Well, earlier this month, 61 signing organizations sent a letter to the leadership of both congressional agriculture committees in response to opposition to the Opportunities for Fairness in Farming, or OFF Act, from corporate industry trade and lobbying groups. The OFF Act would reform checkoff programs, which are mandatory programs under the USDA, funded by compulsory fees on producers of milk, eggs, beef, pork, and many other commodities. The letter was endorsed by a coalition led by RCAF USA and Farm Action Fund, and signers represented hundreds of thousands of farmers and ranchers who pay into checkoff programs. The Coalition of Farmers and Advocates wrote that not only does the industry's letter mischaracterize the OFF Act, its authors are themselves the recipients of checkoff funds, quote, including the American Farm Bureau Federation and the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, end quote. Now, the letter clarified that, quote, the OFF Act does nothing to impair the ability of commodity checkoffs to fulfill their intended purpose of promoting specific commodities, as the industry claimed, but only improves accountability and transparency. The coalition wrote, quote, currently there is almost no publicly available expenditure and budget information, end quote. The Coalition of Farmers and Advocates explained that the OFF Act would remedy this lack of accountability, saying in the letter, quote, every farmer and rancher who is mandated to pay into the checkoff programs deserves no less than to know where their money is being spent and that it is properly accounted for, end quote. Well, farm debt is increasing as access to capital contracts, leaving the question of how to avoid another 1980s farm debt crisis. The issue came up at a recent Senate Farm Bill hearing. Top Senate Ag Republican John Bozeman of Arkansas raised the fear of an 80s-style debt crisis, summing up the plight of farmers today this way. Over the past several years, the debt-to-asset and debt-to-equity ratios have increased while working. Capital is expected to decrease by more than 10% in 2023 according to USDA forecasts. Meanwhile, land values have continued to climb and farming incomes are set to decrease by double digits. And as balance sheets decline on lower equity from higher costs, Southern Ag Credit's Philip Morgan told lawmakers, It is just critical that we continue to have the safety net in the farm bill, that those producers are uh, in some ways assured that, uh, that that safety net is there, that they're going to be able to continue. And that's not just established farmers. For our young beginning and small farmers, they need a guarantee that there's going to be a living there, that they can earn as they continue to see the risk increase in agriculture. And keeping farmers on the farm is no small matter. James Corn with the American Association of Crop Insurers on the reflection of an Australian group about farmers. The typical person may occasionally need a doctor or an attorney once or twice in a lifetime, but that same person three times a day, every single day, needs a farmer. And again, that is comments from a recent Senate Ag hearing on the Farm Bill. Well, finally, here on American Ag Today, fresh-cut flowers and plants are popular gifts for special occasions, such as the recently passed Mother's Day. While many bouquets contain flowers grown in countries where cool, wet climates have historically favored production, in 2022, the United States imported nearly $3.3 billion of cut flowers, plants, and nursery stock products from 81 countries, according to USDA's Economic Research Service. Imports of fresh-cut roses totaled more than $800 million, while other fresh-cut flowers were valued 
valued at a combined $1.1 billion. Live plant imports were valued at nearly $860 million, and imports of other nursery stock products such as bulbs and greenery were valued at $492 million. Of the many countries supplying flowers and other nursery stock, Colombia made up the largest import value at $1.2 billion. That's going to do it for American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.